You take an ancient dinosaur gut and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, king of the casters with Envy and Brandon and Jasper, who's a dog. Welcome to Pod... No, that's horrible. Welcome to Pod... Yeah, king of the casters. That's just... That's Sean Connery. They're very well, similar, about, but there's a different pitch to it. But more like, well, how about that? What? Yeah. Uh, Going around, talking about things? That's kind of the, the inflection. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's... I'm your host, MB Nightingale. I'm your other host, Brandon. Producer Jasper. Uh, Taking a nap. Sitting yeah. on the couch. <laughs> so he is a dog. <laughs> so today we're, as part of... Uh, our negotiation with episodes. We did Moonfall last week is my big thing. And the, on the condition, Bear did on the condition that we were going to watch this movie this time. Yeah. So here we are with Anatomy of a Murder from yes. 1959. Directed by Otto Preminger. Like an actual director. <laughs> what? Big guy. <laughs> big classic uh, vintage thing. Yeah. Um, this will be a bit of a different format than the usual thing. Uh, don't think we'd have a What That Monster Do. Or uh, I mean, well, we'll have There's Monsters in this. Yes. But they're not going to fight bigger monsters with space lasers that I know of. Yeah, so we'll, we'll start with overall thoughts. Overall thoughts. So I want to talk about going into this, folks. I knew this was like one of the big classic movies, one of the bigger yeah. ones. It's like and a classic Jimmy Stewart film. Like, one of our most famous actors in film history. One of his most iconic films. Yes. So, going into this, all I know is that, oh, okay, it's this old movie. Willy Popper thing. And uh, Bear and I sat down to watch it, and I saw it was two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> Brandon <laughs> then looks at the screen, slaps himself multiple times, and says, I need to mentally prepare differently. <laughs> <laughs> And then I went, uh, recording early, I was like, okay, I gotta take a shower before this. So I went and took a shower and, like, got all ready. Because I, I didn't, I had no idea the length. I was, like, hour 40, maybe. So I saw two and a half, and I'm like, I have to, like, I can't, I can't do I this would one. also like to state I have to get that ready. Moonfall was also two and a half hours long. So. so I have to say, though, this is a two hour, 40 minute movie. It does not feel like it. It is extremely well paced. Yeah. I, we, we were fucking two hours in and I thought we were an hour in. Like, it is yeah. a very well put together movie in terms of like how you keep engaged yeah. with things. My take is I kind of wish it was a little longer because of the ending. We'll get into that ending, but I'm very much like, whoa, okay, we're like speeding through yeah. this part of it. So I think it was, I had a very good time with it. I think my favorite was like that middle chunk of like the courtroom stuff. Yeah. And the and the ending lessens it a bit for me right now, but I'm still thinking about it. But it did kind of make me go, oh, okay, we're, we're really wrapping up. Like, I like I was the mind there was going to be at least one other twist or something because it happened so quickly. It felt like it was like an anti-climax getting to yeah. the full climax. So that threw me off a bit. But I did have a great time with this. And, uh, yeah, I think it's – Jimmy Stewart is a great actor, and uh, it was pretty wild that – the biggest thing I remembered him from was It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life is 
probably his best movie. I see that as a Hitchcock fan who, but like, It's a Wonderful Life is good. And also, the only movie where I find Jimmy Stewart really hot. Like, <laughs> I love Jimmy Stewart. I do not find him attractive in the slightest. Unless he's George Bailey, and that's like, you're so good in principle, daddy. <laughs> you you're see, such a good man. Make see, me back. <laughs> he's sitting there on the bridge saying, I want to die, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> okay. A little dangerous. Okay. A little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> little spooky. <laughs> you're not wearing a coat, are you? Like, I have talked with other... Uh, other film fans who I will not name, who are friends of the show, who are also uh, really thirst over old actors in old movies. And uh, Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey is uh, is a common l- object of lust uh, uh, yes. <laughs> amongst those who enjoy some penis uh, and <laughs> and old movies. The strong correlation. <laughs> <laughs> the, the if if you love those two things, let me tell you, Jimmy Stewart's marketing campaign posthumously twenty twenty three. Tell let me tell you if you like if you penis love and penis old movies and love old movies, boy, do I got a guy for you. He's so tall too. Imagine what he could. Uh, we're getting sidetracked. Okay, so going with <laughs> enough about uh, Jimmy Stewart's uh, cock and balls. Are What's your thoughts about this? Uh, you first time you see that, Anatomy of Murder. Yeah, this is again, like Brand just said, first time I've seen it. First time uh, I've seen it too, by the way. But yeah, full spoilers for everything. I am fascinated by it. I, the ending is so unconventional that whereas it turned you off, it's really percolating something for me right now. Mm-hmm. It's. Because I don't think Jimmy Stewart's character, Mr. Beagle, mm-hmm. is a good guy. I think oh, yeah. I think the point of this mo- of the movie is how little everyone cares about Laura Mannion, who is the least guilty party. In the entire murder affair, mm-hmm. a woman who has been sexually assaulted. Uh, oh yeah, big trigger warning. This is a movie about a rape. Uh, big thing so, about yeah. There's extensive talk about rape and yeah. elements of that from like beginning yeah. to the end and all this. Yeah, and very frank from the fifties talking about it. Yeah, under the Hayes Code, I was very surprised to be hearing about. Uh, sperm left over uh, after a sexual assault in in a in a Hayes Code film. Which how much do you know about the Hayes Code? I do know that it really limited Hollywood for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was like a morality clause that Hollywood self imposed in order to fight arguments that Hollywood was for degeneracy. Uh, and that was between between uh, nineteen thirty four, I believe, and nineteen sixty eight. Uh, wow. Uh, they had a reign, and like it was a thing that the. Vi- the villain has to get some comeuppance. They can't just get away with it. Uh, there were other things, uh, but yeah. yeah. So I will. So that's an interesting read on so, it. But like, uh, just to to continue, uh, just because I got a little sidetracked there. But yes, yeah. I think the point is that literally no one, not even not even Jimmy Stewart, not even our supposed to be aw shucks moral center, 
cares about this woman who has been sexually assaulted. Like, her final scene is fucking haunting, in my opinion, in that she is sure that her husband's going to abuse her again. Because uh, he, like, it, it's never been, it's not confirmed in the movie, but it's very clear throughout that her husband, who's on trial for murdering her rapist, is a domestic abuser. He he, hurt, he hits her all the time. Uh, and she's just, she's really drunk at the courthouse, like almost giddy, just talking, just like, won't even go, like, and like very macabre about how she's not even going to go into the courthouse. She can't wait for him to come out and beat her. And... Well... Jimmy Stewart does nothing. He does nothing. And then... It's, he kind of just laughs it off. And then he's we... He's like, ha ha, okay, okay, sweetie. And then we hear afterwards, and Jimmy Stewart still doesn't care, that when they that when they left town, she was just crying in the car. It's... Yeah. It's haunting. That, and I think... And the movie isn't drawing attention to that fact, but I think that's almost purposeful. I think that the dissonance of it that creates as Jimmy Stewart keeps quipping and the soaring fun jazz score and everyone quips in this fucking movie about this case. And it's funny. It's very funny. But the that's how little everyone cares about Laura Mannion. And that really fascinates me. And I think the film is drawing attention to that. And I think it's almost... A, a film can't, uh, so I was about to say it's almost feminist, but honestly, I don't think films can be either feminist or not feminist. I think you can look at a film and what it's saying through a feminist lens, uh, but but a film cannot be feminist or not feminist. That's an insane thing to say, in my opinion. It, it's become but, sentient. <laughs> but it, it, I, I know think, it's talking about The Last Jedi, no! <laughs> I think, Joke. Yeah. Can is staying. We're not opening it. But you're on your point about it, yeah. I think that, but yeah, I think that that's, it, it, I think it lends itself really well to a feminist reading by just how little everyone, every single person in this film cares about Laura Mannion. Played brilliantly, in my opinion, by the actress uh, Lee Remick. Uh, let me confirm oh, yeah. that's her name real quick, otherwise that'd be shitty. After I'm praising her. But, so, uh, yeah, Lee Remick. Lee Remick, yeah. yeah. So it, what was interesting is is that I think... Now, that's a really interesting thing about the, the elements of that. Yeah. Because I think we're looking... I think we pulled the same thing from it. I just didn't know... I just kept expecting the film to acknowledge it. Right? Yeah. I think that was my thing. <laughs> is there's this moment... And we're going to give the plot breakdown in a bit. But there's this moment where... I'm just going to keep calling him George Bailey. <laughs> but George Bailey is looking at his def- at the you know the person on trial, yeah. the soldier guy. And he's like talking to him. And he's looking at him. And he's like, you know, did you... You know, were you of sound mind? Do you ever beat your wife or anything? Yeah. And like, I'm looking at the dude's eyes and I'm like, he's lying. Yeah. It, it's... Like, I definitely felt like... And then it's like, I see clear, like, from my perspective, looking at him on the witness stand, the, you know, the, uh, the prisoner guy. The, this Not guy's the prisoner, abusive. Yeah. The, um, 
defendant. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Of the defendant, I thought at that moment, is George Bailey going to realize that? Yeah. <laughs> looking at him and being like, oh, fuck, he's guilty. Like, yeah. I'm helping him go free, yeah. but he's guilty. And I thought that might have been something that was going to happen towards the end. Yeah. Of just seeing, like, this dude is just, like... Yeah, he's... Yeah, and I, I think that's another great performance. I really love... Uh, uh, most of the performances in this film... Uh, actually, all the... I don't have a single problem with the performance in this film. Most of them I find really compelling, in fact. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think Ben Gazzara as... Lieutenant Mannion, the husband on trial, is an amazing performance within it. But yeah, I oh, think yeah. I think you're right that it is, and it's an interesting fact about the film that does not acknowledge that undercurrent, and like it never does. And one of the other interesting things is he so Lieutenant Mannion, when he's describing his first divorce before before Laura, mm-hmm. he says. He, his wife divorced him for emotional cruelty. Yeah. And then when Laura is citing how she's been divorced before, she cites that her first divorce, three days before she married her husband, was emotional Most cruelty. cruelty. And now, so like, I thought at the time, and this wouldn't have made sense as a twist, that, oh, the divorce was, they were married, they divorced for three days, they remarried. They remarried. But I don't think, I don't think that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I think symbolically that's what happened that both of them just went right back married into the same exact situation like laura Mannion has been stuck in this her whole life and Mm -hmm. she'll continue to be stuck in that and it's heartbreaking to me but yeah yeah, i i really love this movie for that i think also oh god so many hot people (laughs) so many hot. i have a top five list we'll get your list at the end so yeah. yeah so i guess just getting into the plot of this movie that the big, the big, the big beat of it is, uh, you know, we're seeing Jimmy Stewart as the first thing we see, and he's yeah. So Jimmy, he's an old lawyer. yeah. So Jimmy Stewart is a lawyer who was the the district attorney for for the county, but he was uh, he was ousted in an election, and since then he's kind of been very rinky dink, working out of his house with like. A secretary and his alcoholic old ex lawyer friend. Uh, yeah, who's just hanging out. Yeah, and you know he's back on his payments and everything. Yeah, and he's just like scraping, not even scraping by, by just by just uh, between listening to jazz music, which he loves, and uh, and making fishing lures. Uh, is uh, he's just like doing like divorce cases and easy like easy work well i don't, I don't actually have any sort of legal know-how to tell to tell like, but, but, but like what like he's describing is easy work yeah yeah like i'm setting up divorce proceedings i'm doing these estate things i'm not doing anything crazy and then you and know this big case yeah. lands on his desk yeah he doesn't get called in because he's like a because he's brilliant he gets called in because he's the cheapest lawyer in town yeah. Like this, she so. Uh, Laura Mannion and her dog, which is so cute, Muff. Uh, Muff. I thought Muff was gonna have plot relevance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they. Uh, yeah. So. Her and Muff are like call up Jimmy Stewart and are like, "Hey, 
can you defend my husband? And her husband, uh, as we've already outlined, uh, is an ex-military man. Well, not ex. Currently, currently military. But still military. Yeah, in town who, after his wife came home uh, from a... From... We're going to use allegedly because that because the central... Uh, one of the central tensions of the film is if she was raped or not. I, I'm pretty positive she was raped. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so his wife was raped by uh, uh, by this guy in Quill. town. Quill. Yeah. Or sorry, Quill. Yeah, this bartender named Quill in town. Barney Quill. Yeah, uh, Barney Quill, who was the bar owner. Yeah, and... Uh, she was raped by him, and so the so Lieutenant Mannion went to Barney Quill's bar and shot him dead. Shot him to death because of yeah. that he raped his wife. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, that's you know when he was called, it you know he was arrested and now he's yeah. in prison. And Jimmy Stewart's been called on to the case, and they quickly you know he quickly takes the case and. This is actually probably a pretty quick movie to describe the plot, just because it's so procedural. And it, yeah, so he takes the case. It will. He spends a while deciding if he's gonna take the case. He's like, the he's information. Get, yeah. yeah, he talks to the he talks to the wife. He talks to yeah. the guy, and he's like, "Well, I mean, want to take this on." He's like, "Yeah, I'll take it on." And you know, yeah. my fee is three thousand dollars. Yeah, all that. And uh, yeah, so and they're like, "We can't pay you now." But uh, once we're out, we will write up and not even we'll give you the money once we're out. We will write you. Uh, we'll, I owe you. Yeah, we'll give you an IOU once we're out of this. And there he's like, yeah. good enough for me. Yeah. So they, you know, he gets on the case and he's interviewing people and, you know, a good amount of it. I think there's probably a solid hour of the movie that's in the courtroom. But we see right before that, you know, he's talking around with the other. Well, I'd say more than an hour. I'd oh, like say, an hour and a half. I think we get into the courtroom at like the hour mark. And oh, then almost, there's a few scenes then, out of it. Yeah, then almost all of it's in the courtroom. So I'd say at least at ninety minutes of this film are pure courtroom. I'd if say not so. Yeah. More. But there's yeah. like little moments outside of it. But yeah. you know, he's establishing evidence. He's talking with the couple employees at the bar yeah. being like, hey, did you see anything? Was Barney like an aggressive guy? Was he a drinker? Yeah. What kind of evidence can he gather? Yeah. So yeah. he's getting the evidence and the court's starting and they very immediately uh, wanted to take the insanity plea. Yeah, that that's like their only argument they can make because, because Lieutenant Mannion won't even try and say that he didn't shoot the guy. Like, no, he's you, very you much can't. Like, I, he did it in public. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm very much, I killed him. Yeah. And it's very much that they could, they can't really use the self-defense thing. Yeah. Or even, like, the, the insanity thing. Or, like, there were certain ones they couldn't use because he didn't catch him in the act. Yeah. So he didn't shoot him during the act. Yeah. He didn't shoot him in his home, either. Yeah. It was at his residence. He was at his bar, and, and where, you know, yeah. he would have had to get up, mm-hmm. been, you know, of sound mind enough to get to the bar to do it. And he waited an hour between learning of the rape and go and leaving the house to shoot the guy. Yes, which the prosecution says that's premeditation. Yeah. There's vengeance there. This yeah. is first degree murder. Like yeah. that's what they're trying to get him on. Yeah. And so then 
It's, uh, so then, as they're starting the court proceedings, the, uh, uh, they, they get a, uh, they get a psychiatrist, a military psychiatrist to assess that there is a argument to be made that it was insanity, that it was a temporary insanity by this, uh, uh, thing. What's the phrase they keep using? Because it comes back to haunt them at the end. Is that what the phrase that they... Something compulsion, like a... Intense compulsion, I think. Yeah, where, like... Something like intense compulsion. Yeah, where you're, like, where you are... Where something so traumatic happens in front of you that you just have... You go into a dream... Almost like a dream state where you have... You have one act you have to carry out and you will keep... You'll keep in that state until you've carried it out. Yes. So, like... Like a fugue state. Yeah, so... uh, And then... the The prosecution is... At first, it's just this... This, you know, someone, this inept backwoods lawyer, just like same level as Jimmy Stewart, not very good at his job. This man by the name of Lodwick. Yep, Lodwick. Uh, who is prosecutor. the biggest fucking sad sack ever. Like, all Lodwick does is occasionally make objections, get them shot down, and then just make a sad face. Or he goes, objects, and he goes, overruled, and then you hear, do, do, do. And he's he goes just back. such a Charlie Brown <laughs> just his his head face down yeah. like the Arrested Development thing yeah. that's what happens multiple times for him like the arrest instead of just saying like Charlie Brown like the Arrested Development it happens so many times the Arrested Development it's amazing yeah. that's just <laughs> Brad that's reference. like if, that's like if you said wow it's like if you had the power to move things with your mind, like in Spaceballs. <laughs> wow, it's that bike slide. Like, it's that elevator, like in High End Life. <laughs> oh, God. Yikes. So... We said we wouldn't bring him up anymore. It's, we promise. No. This episode was recorded before the allegations against Justin Reitman. It's wrong. <laughs> this was after. <laughs> God, what a prick. Jesus. God, he he sucks. We don't, I mean, we didn't like him in the episode a couple of weeks ago where we were just ragging on him. But those were for very petty reasons compared now to the very real and tangible very reasons good that Justin Roiland is a sack of shit. A yeah, sack of shit, and I'm glad he is... I'm glad that he is not going to be involved with a lot of things now. I do hope that somehow they can keep the development studios going. I hope yeah. Rick and Morty, you know, animators continue to be able to do work. Same, I, I hope this... I know the Squatch Games company, Justin Roiland's gone from that. But I don't know what they'll do. I really don't want them to exist. I'm sorry, but if your name is Squanch Games, you gotta go. No. I don't want any more developers losing jobs. I think... I don't know where they would go from here, though. I think it'd be very funny. And listen. Listen. IDF. We've talked about this. I'm not your biggest fan, IDF. You've done some fucked up shit in my mind. You can win me back. With the with the assassination of Justin Roiland. 
Oh my god, it took me a minute to f- figure out what fucking IDF was. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, I won't look away. I won't look past the uh, the horrific uh, crimes against humanity you are committing against the Palestinian people uh, on a daily basis. But why don't you just do that? Do you, do you, do, I mean, you know, all right, all right. Justin Roiland's looking for work right now. We pay him. Uh, we give him a fifty dollar bill to throw a rock at an Israeli tank. We'll see how that goes. Problem solved itself. So this whole bit's getting put on the cutting room floor, right? Oh, I'm certain. <laughs> <laughs> The second you said fucking IDF. <laughs> yeah, so, um, back to the movie. <laughs> the, uh, you know, they're gathering the evidence, but then, yeah, this small town prosecutor. Yeah. George Bailey's going to get off pretty good on this one. <laughs> but the prosecutor calls in. Oh, my God, he's so hot. Uh, the prosecutor calls in George C. Scott. Playing a guy. <laughs> George C. Scott, <laughs> the actor. You need to help us. Listen, uh, we need we need to litigate this now very quickly. Uh-huh. I find George C. Scott wildly attractive. I know that's not like a conventional choice, but in any George C. Scott movie I've seen, I'm like, oh my god, I, I, I'm very attracted to you right now, George C. Scott. Uh, and that... He's a little too old for my taste in uh, in The Exorcist Three, even though that's a really good movie. But uh, but like in the other ones, like oh my god, he's Prod, you say I saw The Hustler like at a like a second run theater recently. Like they did a one, and like here's how attracted to George C. Scott I am. That movie stars Paul Newman, like famously hottest actor to ever live, Paul Newman, and he is looking good in that. And, like, it's an, a big portion of it is a love triangle between him, Piper Laurie, and George C. Scott. I found George C. Scott the hottest man <laughs> in that entire love triangle. God I damn. was like, listen, when Piper Laurie cheats on Paul Newman with George C. Scott and then decide and, like, then kills herself. Uh, spoilers for The Hustler as well. Uh... I was like, I get it. I would also cheat on Paul Newman for George C. Scott. And if I had to choose between Paul Newman and George C. Scott, I'd also kill myself. But <laughs> What a way to go. <laughs> Death over love triangle. But so But yes, George C. Scott, very hot. We've gotten past that. Uh-huh. Should we just do the top? You, you know who the top spot's going to be now. Should we just do my top five hottest actors okay. in the movie? To, to break the tension before we keep going, top five. Right my now. top five hottest actors in Anatomy of a Murder. <laughs> Number five, Brooks West as Mr. Lodwick. Okay. He's not like, he's attractive. He's like, I'd go on a date with him, but like, I'm not like the most attractive to him. Uh-huh. Number four, Orson Bean as Dr. Smith. A doctor it so The hot one, the hot doctor. There it's literally a plot point in this film that the prosecution is dismayed that he looks too hot to be a psychiatrist people will take seriously. Be the defense. <laughs> yeah, three. Ben Gazera as Lieutenant Mannion. He's got some smoldering eyes. I I get Smoldering murder eyes. Well yeah. I, Lieutenant Mannion is a horrible person, 
The Bengals are in the role. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll get some dinner later. But, but number two. Uh, Lee, Re- Lee Remick as Laura Mannion. Uh, she's, you know, she's got like this femme fatale kind of, kind of role to her, but that vulnerability, uh, in it as well. And some of the best fashion uh, in old movies I've ever seen. Like she wears this really cool, like necklace rope thing that kind of like goes around her like a scarf and, but like also doesn't make sense. How's her fashion that good when she's living in a trailer park? And she, those are, that's very expensive clothes. I don't That's get, why they're broke. <laughs> they, they could actually afford a really nice house. It was either the house or the high end fashion. <laughs> one of the fashion, damn it. It went where the money's at. Uh, but yeah, real uh, estate. Real estate is temporary. Fashion is forever. <laughs> and then number one, uh, George C. Scott, the beefcake that he is as yes. Mr. Dancer. Yes. So Mr. Dancer is yeah, the Attorney General, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's the from the Attorney General's office, I believe. Yes, a but big like, top shot guy. Yeah, he's like a a big city lawyer. Big city prosecution lawyer, and he's. Like, he eats his lunch at first. <laughs> yeah, he's like, re- so, and throughout, he's just like, clearly the smartest guy in the room at every step of the way. Like, yeah. he's just constantly, like, he's very calm and collected, whereas everyone else keeps shouting. Which, George C. Scott, Scott Famous for being a very shouty actor, so that's a very <laughs> surprising, interesting choice from him. Yeah, but um, you can tell the prosecution's yeah. whole thing they're trying to do is back to the dark themes of this film. Yeah, their back whole, to the dark themes of it. So first, they're trying to just like make sure the jury doesn't know about the rape, like because the rape is like that's the justification. That's the jury will be can be like, oh well. Well, we get, well, like, we, we kind of get it then. Yeah, like, like, that was a horrible thing, so obviously yeah. this could have happened from it. But like, so, yeah, first they don't even want it to be mentioned, but then, then eventually it then is. And then when it's out, his role becomes to, uh, this is going to make the thirsting really awkward now, because his role is to... At least we got out of the way now, before yeah, that. Yeah, before. Before this. Uh, is to slut shame, uh, and it, it's to make it seem like Either, it's to make it seem like both the her both uh, her and uh, Quill were consensual and that all of the bruises uh, she acquired were from her abusive husband. From her husband. So instead of a yeah. she was raped by this by the Quill and yeah. then he found out the husband found out about it and then killed him it was they wanted to try to frame it more as this is a lover's quarrel She was cheating on him, and he lost it, and then shot him. (laughs) But this was not, like, you know, like, they were doing their best, like, every possible angle. Oh, what were you wearing? What things like that? Like, just really fucked up, like, really, you know, he's really getting in her face. It's really, like, intense. Just trying to get her to, like, slip up once in anything. I'm really... So, I think... I think that the rape was handled well, because I do think, even though I was worried at the beginning that, oh, God, it's going to be a twist and she's lying about being raped, I was very worried it was going to go in that direction, which would have been a, a bummer, because that would be uh, 
not great rhetoric to be thrown around, but uh, I think, but I do think that the movie makes it clear as we go through that she was in fact that that she was in fact raped, being you know having a promiscuous past and being a flirt and wearing revealing clothing in public are not justifications for that because obviously they're not which this obviously is not like revolutionary rhetoric as we're talking well actually but in the 59 unfor- un- also unfortunately actually probably is for a way too large portion of the country revolutionary rhetoric but yes yeah. but even in like 50 59 that was yeah. a lot that was like yeah. a lot of you know things yeah that were not talked about much before where it's like you can you know you could dress how you want you could do these things and you like she was not asking for it kind of thing. yeah because the the prosecution was really trying to do that yeah trying to confuse her trying to do this trying to do that yeah so then you know the defense is doing is doing his best to like not have that happen yeah because but- his case relies so heavily mm-hmm. on her you know on that happening because that's how he gets to the you know that he the husband was you know yeah insane f- from that so we've got that going and then the other thing is there's a large portion of this that revolves around a missing pair of panties Yes. Because, uh, so, in her account of things, when she came home, she left the house wearing panties. When she came home, she was not wearing panties. Uh, Where'd they go? Yeah, and that's, like, and, like, she, you know, the, the missing panties are, like, a large piece of proof that she was, in fact, raped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, uh, but, yeah, and so... That brings us into our other major plotline during the court case, because really, we're we're almost we don't have much more to say about the plot of the movie. No, that's how it's very like is. Yeah, the beats are very big, but the details are very small. Yeah, like the um one thing I want to mention about uh, the panties thing. Yeah, was you know leading into the thing about how no there don't ever really address how fucked up it is. Is that like the the crowd like laughs? Yeah, that scene fucking haunted me. Like, because every- like, they're yeah. talking about it and they're like, you know, oh, you know, they're asking about the details of the assault. And then, you know, they brought up the, the missing panties thing. And then the judge guy's like, well, the missing panties. And everyone, like, all the odds goes, hee hee hee. And it's like, this was a rape. Like, yeah, and then he's like, like this is and so then fucked he up. He goes forward to say, and there will be no more laughing. Because it's connected to, and you think, oh, he's going to say, like, yeah. It's Human disarray. It's connected to someone being raped. But no. Instead, he says, it's connected to the violent murder of a man and the possible incarceration of another. And we both clocked that at the time. That that is like, oh, yeah. wow, he is not mentioning at all. That, that, yeah. The bigger thing, which is that someone was raped and this yeah. involves that. Yeah. But no, it's. Well, because this man could be found guilty of murder in this other man's thing. Yeah. It's very much like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, there is, <laughs> that's bad too, but yeah. this is way worse so, to not say, like, to give that as a reason. But yeah. So then there's another big plot line of Quill has what everyone in town thinks is a mistress. Uh, this young woman uh, mm-hmm. named, oh, what's her name? Miss 
Pliet? Last name Pliet? Something? Yeah. Right? Like it, it was, I remember it was close to Pilates, so I kept thinking about that. But Because uh, my mind is dumb and works that way. But, uh... uh let me see. Yeah, uh... Uh, Mrs. Hmm. Why am I having such a... Oh, Pilland. 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 Pilland, yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Pilland. So, uh, Miss Pilland. So, yeah, Miss Pilland. And, but then, when Jimmy Stewart does some digging, she is actually the bastard daughter of Quill. And because it's the 50s, and, like, being born out of wedlock is a huge thing... There's a... Wow, no, 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 no! She's uh, she's like she's keeping around the down low in town, and Jimmy Stewart promises her that like, I mean he'd like her to testify, but like, he promises that he will not make it common knowledge that she is that she is a bastard, uh, yeah. and and that 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 brings me more that I think works well into my theme on the. Uh, my, my theme, the theme on that the, the lack of care towards women in this movie is intentional. Uh, and Jimmy Stewart is his character is yeah is not a great dude because he's like we won't do it. but then like he talks so but yeah so he finds that out and that'll come back in the climax of the, where the climax is is hard to state but like I think the climax of the film well then I think the climax is a one two punch because yeah first we get. Uh, Lieutenant, uh, how am I forgetting their, their, how am I forgetting these characters' names? Mannion. Lieutenant Mannion, uh, someone he's been locked up with who he roughed up for talking bad about his wife. Uh, yeah, they were testifies for the, yeah. you know, the couple weeks that he's yeah. been there. Testifies against him and claims a bunch of very spurious stuff, uh, that, like, Oh yeah, he, he he told me. Yeah, I've got everyone fooled. I've got my corn cob lawyer, yeah, got my the corn, corn cob, cob judge, my the corn cob jury. He apparently calling everything corn cob, but yeah, the yeah. jury. He's like, I'm you know fucked up with the jury. I tricked my lawyer. I tricked the jury. Yeah, and I'm gonna call kick more my wife. Corn cobs, and yeah. I'm gonna kick you know gonna kick my wife so, right so out. So that, but yeah, which which the last one. At least, Laura Mannion at least believes when she hears. Like, it cuts to a close-up of her, and she's clearly terrified. She clearly believes, even though as this has gone on, in front of the jury, her husband has started to be more supportive of her. Like, after her testifying, he, like, hugs her and, like, tells her she did great. But, like, at that moment... She looks terrified, and it's like, oh, she really believes that's gonna happen. And then she, oh. uh, but yeah, we'll get to that. But and yeah, like, the, and the then convict makes his testimony because yeah. the prosecution, yeah. you know, they're talking amongst each other. And they're like, Shh, we gotta use him, we gotta bring him out. Yeah. But then you know, his testimony doesn't seem super reliable. Yeah. So then Jimmy Stewart's lawyer kind of, you know, yeah. Jimmy Stewart as the lawyer picks a lot of hole. He doesn't really. Well, here's the thing. He doesn't pick a hole. In much of what he says, yeah. it's specifically like this guy's a criminal. Yeah, don't trust him. Yeah, he keeps don't saying, trust him. He's he keeps, bad. He keeps saying on that, and 
Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, he doesn't say a single thing against what they. Yeah. <laughs> against the 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 statement itself, it's just yeah. like don't trust this guy. Yeah. Then they bring out their surprise final witness, uh, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Palant. Uh, yep. And or Miss Palant, and she has. She went home. She checked the waste bin, and she found the panties. She found them. And like. And believes they were most likely discarded the night uh, the night uh, of that when the rape Qu- was said to have happened, and, and the night that so, uh, yeah. Quill Quill died. Yeah. So she, uh, and so she, uh, the so she believes it now, and yeah, she's, she's testifying to that effect, and she's pressed by George C. Scott, and even though Jimmy Stewart promised this wouldn't happen. She has to admit that she's the bastard daughter in front of the entire town. Mm-hmm. That she's the bastard daughter of Quill. Which, yeah. Because that well, which ruins George C. Scott's case. We see him just deflate instantly. He's like, "Fuck." Yeah. Because he wanted to have like, "Oh, it's a mistress," and you know, yeah, they're all fucking a, each other. A jilted lover, but like, yeah. no, it's like, oh no, his daughter just believes that she uh, that her dad could have done that he's like yeah. fuck that's it we're over yeah but uh so yeah then they skip past the closing arguments which i think as i reflect on it is the best choice they could have made for for how procedural this is it's mm-hmm. such an interesting choice because in a courtroom movie the closing argument is where you moralize. It's where, like, it's where Atticus Finch says, you know, tells them, like, may God have mercy on your... I don't, I, I don't like to kill a mockingbird. I don't remember his speech. But where Atticus Finch is like, you should do this to stop racism. If you do... You'll do it. If you, if you don't... If you don't convict this guy, racism will end. I'm Atticus Finch. Wee wee that's my yeah. catchphrase. You got him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's like the, the closing it's argument the, is the place where the moralizing happens. It's the big the thing. Story. It's yeah. the big, you wrap everything up in a nice little bow where they but, give, you know, yeah. this is their big statement, big statement, guilty, not guilty, boom, movie over. But was, you can't moralize about this because <laughs> Lieutenant Mannion is a bad person. No matter, no matter if, no matter if the uh, the he was actually temporarily insane and wh- or whether he was even justified to kill Quill, mm-hmm. he is a bad person. He beats his wife. That's the clear implication. Mm-hmm. He's oh yeah, emotionally there's, abusive. There we yeah. uh, need to mention that when his wife is on the stand. Yeah. She was, you know, spraying over the beads, and the prosecutor said, "Why would you do? Why would you do that?" And then, you know, did she ever? Did he ever hit you? He's like, "He may have slapped me because I was yeah. so hysterical and everything." Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, that's you know, there's yeah. a lot more than just that." I think. And but yeah, so you can't moralize about letting him out because he's a bad person. He he he's horrible. Whether or not he did this crime, he is morally repugnant. Uh, or he did do the crime, but whether or not uh, yeah, whether he or had not, the insanity yeah, or not. Yeah, and so you can't 
moralize on this. It would feel hollow. So I think skipping over that is, in, is intelligent. Mm -hmm. He gets off. Uh, he, 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 the, Jimmy Stewart wins. Uh, not guilty verdict. And yeah. like I said, uh, Laura Mannion refuses to even go in the courtroom. Uh, yeah, she's very visibly drunk. And she's like, yeah, she's, yeah. he's going to kick me to the curb. Yeah, and then... Jimmy Stewart and his uh, old drunk ex-lawyer friend, who is now his partner, despite not really doing much. Like, he doesn't really do anything to just... No, he does. He... The old guy is the one who finds out that... Oh, he uh, finds out that Quill... That, that Qu Yeah. That, you know, the daughter. Yeah. He finds out that she's... She was uh, Quill's daughter. He finds yeah. out that. That's his big thing in the movie. But, yeah, he gets... Uh, so, yeah, they're... They're like talking about, oh, we're partners now. Let's go get that. Let's go get them to sign this IOU or promissory note. It's a more official thing, but it's, <laughs> it's an, an IOU. official IOU. <laughs> uh, and yep. you, and they go, and the Mannions have left town, uh, and so the Mannions have left town. Uh, Jimmy and uh, like like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, the get Jimmy Stewart's given the detail that oh Laura was weeping in the car as yeah. they drove away, and, but he does not care. He's just like, well, they left without paying. Dang, no that money. That sucks. And Lieutenant Mannion leaves a note that says, "Oh, irresistible urge. That's what it's called." Yeah, he said. Sorry, just had an irresistible urge to leave. Which, so, he was lying then, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's like 100%. He was lying about 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 going into a fugue state. He, oh, yeah. He, he was fully cognizant. Like, he wasn't yeah. even really lying. It was yeah. just very much like, hey, lawyer, how do I get out of this one? Yeah. And he was like, whoa, did you, were you insane? Did you not think about how you were feeling? And then he would go, yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember anything. Yeah. You get me? It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, you yeah, got, yeah, like, yes, and in your defense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's kind of like, yeah. Now I give me two objects and a location. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> it's like just breaking, uh, you know, he never said like, yeah, he was, he wasn't really pushing that forward. It's more of, oh, this is the best way to get out. Yeah. So it's. So I think that yeah. with that in mind, yeah, I think it's. And, it's a dark ending. And but the film keeps its funny tone and like it and the 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 fun Duke Ellington composed jazz score mm -hmm. the entire for that entire ending and it creates a dissonance for me. And like yeah. both of us like it ended so abruptly after that that both of us like were like we need to take a second <laughs> to process this. Yeah. yeah, it was so abrupt that like I was saying, I thought that that was the anti-climax, and the yeah. real climax was going to be quick. Yeah. Instead, where it was like, oh my god, he's running away with the wife, and like he's beating her or something. We got to yeah. stop him. Like something like that. Yeah, you. I thought. I also felt like we were going to get a primal fear type moment, which yeah. I guess we kind of do that the insanity is faked, but like I thought it would be a bigger show of it. Like, yeah. like you, you know, primal fear, right? Oh, that's the one where, where Ed, Spacey. No, where Ed oh. Norton is like. Oh yeah, there was never. Uh, yeah, there was never an Aaron. 
good for you, counselor. But yeah. yeah. So get this. Um, so I want to, uh, relating to that last closing thing, the last scene and everything, yeah. I'm going to drop the bomb. Yeah. The, the fact I found. Okay. All right. Did you know that Anatomy of a Murder is based on a real story? Really? Yeah. I thought it was based on a book. The book yeah. is based on the, that story. Oh, is it a fiction book? It's a fictionalized it... version. Okay. Yeah. So get this. Anatomy of Murder is a faithful recreation of an actual 1952 murder case in which the defense attorney was John D. Volker, who wrote the original novel under the pen name Robert Traver. The specifics are the same. An army lieutenant shot a barkeeper whom he accused of raping his beautiful and often flirtatious wife. The lieutenant pleads not guilty by reason of temporary insanity, and a psychiatrist testifies that he suffered an irresistible impulse. The jury acquits him, and the couple then skips town in their mobile home without paying the legal bill, with Peterson leaving a note that he'd had an irresistible impulse to leave. So shit. (laughs) So that was, that's the thing that actually happened. Yeah. Um, Different, you know, different things about it, but the basis is the same. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, I don't, you know, I don't know enough about I don't watch like a video essay about this movie or anything. Yeah. But it seems like that finale scene of him saying that oh I had this to leave. Yeah. Makes me really think that it's probably a I don't think it's a it's probably a radioactive hot take that, you know, he was faking it the whole time and everything. Yeah. I think I was just picking up on those throughout the movie. Yeah. Like I was mentioning earlier, the one on one yeah with Jimmy Stewart and the guy. Yeah. Where I was like, he's lying. Like he's definitely yeah. lying. So that's a pretty that's a pretty crazy uh, movie choices to make for fifty nine. Yeah, it's yeah, it was like it is a lot more graphic in its discussion of of sexual assault than I would have expected a nineteen fifty nine movie to be. Oh, yes. And I'm wondering how much leeway they got based on the fact that it's based on a true story. But yeah. Yeah. That could be some elements of it. Oh, the one thing we didn't talk about that we got a lot of joy out of the judge. (laughs) (laughs) This judge comes in. He is not the regular judge. He makes that clear at the top. Like, the regular judge is on vacation. Um, He's yeah, just yeah. from out of town to cover. And he just... <laughs> he's at a he's at a four energy level. And he's like, hey, settle down. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is, like, big and explosive throughout the entire court. Like, so many moments I was like, how are they not getting put in contempt? Did contempt just not exist yet? Or just, like... <laughs> You know, for the mo- sake of the movie, contempt of court is not a thing that happens. But like, and he's just like, I'll allow it. He, he's very, uh, yeah, sure. let's see where this goes. <laughs> His introduction with the sentencing of the guy who stole the whiskey is so funny. This is a, there. there is some brief, there's some funny moments in this There's movie. a lot of very funny moments. Just... Because, so, like, before they start the murder case, they've just got, like, the court, the courthouse, like, sees a whiskey case. Like, a case of, like... Stolen whiskey. Yeah, where the guy is just, like... Where he's, like, did you sell the whiskey? Like, he's 
honest, genuinely just con- befuddled by the people in this town <laughs> and the attitude that the, they're taking. Like, yeah, because it's pros- it's prosecution and it's the yeah. defendant defending himself. And yeah. like, do you have a lawyer? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I plead guilty. I plead guilty. I drank it. I drank it off. Yeah, he's just like he's like confused. Like, did did you sell the whiskey? No, I, no, I, drank, I drank it. it. Drank it up, all of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you, do you realize that you know you will be charged for this crime? It was yep. worth it. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> That's uh, a great introduction. All right. <laughs> all righty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he, the judge. Who's playing the judge? I need to look that up because, like, the judge. I think the judge is doing something very fun in that he's just like just befuddled. Yeah, his entire role seems to be that like. He is, like, from a much bigger section of town. He's, like, like George C. Scott, he's from a much bigger section of town, and just, like, this all seems like small potatoes to him that everyone is losing their mind about, and he's just, like, what's going on, man? Why are you, why are you being this intense? It was, um, it was one, it was one murder, Michael. How much could it cost? (laughs) It was one murder bullet. It was one murder, Michael. How many bullets did he need? Five. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think it's. Is the judge's name Paquette? Maybe. Oh, judge Weaver. Judge okay. Weaver. Let yeah. me see where, who played Judge Weaver because I want to give this very dead man his due. Uh, Joseph N. Welch plays Judge Weaver. Good actor. Yep. Very fun performance in it. Also in the movie, very briefly, Duke Ellington makes a cameo because Jimmy Stewart wanted his whole things. He loves jazz, and you wouldn't expect that from a lawyer in the time period because jazz was him. still cool young person music. But here he is, and he's got it. And he's grooving with Duke Ellington. <laughs> but yeah, grooving with the Duke. Yep. So it's quite a good. It's quite a good time with it. Yep. I think the. Um, like I said, this movie very much flew by for yeah. how long it was. Is that like, thing? when we paused to give Jasper his walk, and I saw we were two hours, five minutes. So what? Into, like, we took what I think Brandon and I both thought was, okay, we're probably, like, halfway through. Jasper probably needs to go take a pee at this point. Oh, yeah. Because he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta take our producer out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were like, uh, and we paused it, and it's like, Oh my god, we are two hours and five minutes in this two hour forty minute movie. What we're Holy much shit. farther. Yeah. yeah. It was a great time with it. I think yeah. um I do think there is some very interesting elements in there relating to these things and the do definitely you know do definitely was uh of sound mind and body during yeah. that. I wonder about if he if he didn't really even process yeah. That she was raped as much, and more of like, a, this is the last straw. And yeah. like, in his, like, you yeah. know, like, in his brain, it's like, oh, this is just another, like, as bad as if he was looking at her in yeah. a way, you yeah. get me? Yeah. Where he doesn't take account of her, it's just like, oh, he slighted me for the last time. Yeah. I, I do think that's very much the read I got on it. But yeah. Like, he didn't care about her much. You know, he slapped her when she came yeah. in and told him, at least. So obviously this week we won't have a make it gritty. Uh, like, what would that be? A courtroom drama in the Godzilla universe? Those insurance companies. Pitch Jimmy Stewart a role as a kaiju. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I'm gonna break down this building. 
Do you want the moon, Janus? Grabs the <laughs> of sky. I'll Dude. give you the moon. Grot the moon? It's just getting closer and closer. <laughs> I'll make the moon fall. <laughs> the moon will fall. <laughs> and, oh my god. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, so. Good movie. Watch it. Yeah, I really very, enjoyed it. Very enjoyable. I, I know yeah. there, there are movies of this age where I'll watch them and I'm like, this is a good movie, but I'm not like, this is kind of lower enjoyment, little yeah. boring kind of thing. This was not one of those. Very, very interesting, enjoyable movie. And this brings us, because we are... This is the last episode, or second to last. Yeah, we've got two more clues before our April Fool's episode. And so, here is our second to last clue for Brandon yes. so, as to what the April Fool's episode's going to yeah, be. Yes, so folks, our big thing is, uh, it's a mystery on me about what our April Fool, uh, first movie we're going to be talking about is. So... Leading up to that, Barrett's come up with clues about how, about what movie this is. So, if you listen to the end of each episode, the last, like, three or four of them, there's one of these at the end. Could you piece it together before I can? This movie I find mighty fine. My favorite from 2009. Oh, shit, okay. Okay. 2009. Yes, this movie I find mighty fine. My favorite from 2009. Okay, I guess if I look up Matt Damon movies from 2009, I might get close. All right. So let's we'll see, you see you next time, time baby.